Hi, this is Isaac from Unplanned Trek. Just letting you know that I've never, ever heard of Let's Talk About Treks. Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Welcome, everybody. Howdy. My name is Earl Gray. Mine is Jack Dorino. And we are Let's Talk About Treks. That's the podcast that sometimes uses the 10C as a pattern buffer. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. <laughs> Today we'll be discussing mm-hmm. Star Trek Discovery, Season 4, Episode 13, oh. Coming Home. Coming home to the end of Star Trek Discovery Season 4. That's correct. Here we are. We've made it. <laughs> yes, all this way. It's been a long road. To the edge of the galaxy, indeed. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the release date of this episode was the 17th of March, 2022. Mm-hmm. It is the 55th of all 55 episodes so far of Star Trek Discovery. Yes. It is the 835th episode of all 908 episodes of Star Trek. This episode was written by Michelle Paradise, which marks a phenomenon that I think that I'm detecting works kind of well in a season of Star Trek Mm -hmm. in that the person who writes the first episode also writes the last episode. They did that on Picard as well, and they did it on Strange New Worlds, and it seems to work very well. Michelle Paradise wrote the first episode of this season, Kobayashi Maru, you know, with the spinning star base top, Mm -hmm. along with Jenny Lamette and Alex Kurtzman. Mm. Okay. This episode was directed by Olatunde Osunzanme. And they were the same director as last episode, which I was wondering if they kind of filmed these all as one. That would make sense. It's sort of a two-parter. Yep. Especially with the end with Reno saying, hey, kill us if you have to, but stop this ship. Yeah. The (laughs) penultimate episode sort of bleeds into the final episode. Yeah. Yep. The DMA approaches Earth and Navarre. With the evacuations underway, Burnham and the team of the USS Discovery must find a way to communicate and connect with a species far different from their own before time runs out. This is the season finale of season four. This is the episode where Grudge goes to prison. Oh no! (laughs) Is Grudge an emotional support animal? In prison, yes, apparently so. Yes, apparently. Book definitely took Grudge off to prison (laughs) with him. Yeah. Or rehab, perhaps. Yeah, rehab. I mean, there'll be something like Tom Paris went through maybe Mm -hmm. a thousand years more progressed. Yes. This is not the 834th episode because, again, like before, Picard season two had episode two of that season in the meantime. I appreciate Earl's (laughs) historian corner. Yay! I also appreciated the reverse warp effect. Also, this starbase. Mm hmm had to be well explained by Tilly right up front and I appreciate her yeah. for her expository skills. Yeah, I had to watch this first 30 seconds it like yeah. two or three times to figure out what exactly was going on. The starbase is a Voltron. <laughs> Apparently the Star <laughs> yeah. The starbase is a Voltron. Yeah. Although I couldn't 
fathom why is the one section that flies off deck 96 or whatever why is it so big compared to the rest of the size of the ship yes agree i 100 percent agree with that i had not noticed it before but i do agree and i also think that when a section disconnects yeah that the other sections should then link together and fill that empty space okay instead of it just being like a jenga puzzle well welcome to starbase jenga We've done half the puzzle for you already. I can see that, except like if this piece below it is like narrower yeah. and the piece above it is wider, maybe they wouldn't link up precisely. So maybe if it's just, I mean, it's programmable matter, right? Hypothetically, yeah. I mean, maybe not everything is programmable matter in the future. Perhaps. Well, we don't really know how the future works. Yeah. <laughs> I was excited to see Kelly again. Yes, it was good to see her and I was a little disappointed that she did this whole field promotion of the cadets because I thought that maybe those were going to be the cadets that were going to follow her into the Starfleet Academy series, but apparently now they are not cadets anymore. Well, the first season could take place in the meantime that she's been gone. Yes, it could have already happened and we just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. That is a good point. Thank you for that. You're welcome. The other thing is she just says they're no longer cadets. I think she's putting them in the mindset of you don't have to be like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, the way you are in the academy. This is your field training. Oh, you're suggesting that it's not actually a field promotion, but more of a wake up call. Like, a wake up (laughs) call. Here's the situation. You cannot be a cadet right now. (laughs) Yeah, you can't be a student. You are doing. This is real life. This is not the hollering back. I would have thought that the Starbase and all the starships and stuff would be able to get more than 40,000 people off of the planet. Yeah, if you're going to fill them to capacity, pack them in like sardines. Well, that was another thing. I'm wondering why is the section where Tilly and the Admiral are so empty? Shouldn't it be like continuously shuttling back and forth between Earth and somewhere safe? Like full of people every time? Wouldn't that make better use of that module? Maybe. This bridge area is definitely... I think they're putting themselves between as much debris as possible and the actual Earth. Agreed. It uh, it also seems that there's been a defense shield that's been raised. Uh I would just assume take anything that can hold a breathable atmosphere Mm -hmm. and has warp engines on it. Like I would take Mm -hmm. every one of those and use it to transport people. Yeah, I, I certainly would too. The question comes when uh, does a saucer section of the Enterprise D have warp capability? So maybe this command section of the station doesn't have by itself oh. warp capability. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, oh, that, thank you. I think Earl Grey fixed a thing. I'm just throwing that out there as a. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. In universe wise, there seemed to be like a necessary reason for that not to be able to do what it. what we would like it to do even though it has a tremendous amount of space in it i mean we've got what at least a 10 forward amount of space in this command center that is taken up by two people i don't know how they did it but the writers of this episode apparently heard us from last week they maybe Mm -hmm. traveled through the future to the future okay they have actually been able to show us earth like we were talking about last week you know, oh, were we? Did we yeah. want to see Earth? Oh, I'm glad we did. I think I brought it up. I was thinking it. I'd like to see okay. Earth. What's going on back at Earth this whole time? And oh, here it is. We, it. we see it several times during this episode. <laughs> yes. Do you, when Tarka and Book are fleeing, well, when Tarka really mm-hmm. is fleeing with his yeah. captives. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, is do you think he's panicking 
or do you think he's using the idea of panic to help propel his really bad decisions? Oh. Like, a lot of times when people panic, they, like, move too fast and they, you know, they're kind of clumsy a little bit. But mm-hmm. this guy is just, like... He's calm about He doesn't... It. Yeah, he doesn't really seem panicked. He seems like he's, like, generating panic mm-hmm. and then using that generated panic to be an excuse for the next crazy thing that he wants to do. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, so it, it kind of like using an adrenaline rush to not just do something violent, but to do something productive. Sure. Like in, in the moment when he got got caught in engineering, he, yeah, he probably can't, panicked, but he could have either panicked and shot her or panicked and just kidnapped her. I mean, at least oh. he kidnapped her and she's still alive. He could have panicked and given up. <laughs> well, y- yeah. I <laughs> mean, like, oh, you got me. <laughs> you got me, copper. Yeah. Uh, well,. I think that you and Reno would get along very well <laughs> because <laughs> the bright side that Reno looks on is that at least they'll be immediately vaporized. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> about right. I guess from a certain perspective, I'd be looking forward to a uh, perfect af- afterlife. Okay. Indoye also cops to panicking like she panicked mm-hmm. and that's why she went along with Tarka only yeah. because she didn't have the context to understand that Tarka had taken them hostage mm-hmm. yeah after she already aided them right and because right. I mean Booker was also misled to be mm-hmm. following Tarka all this way and then I in this sense like Tarka sort of used Booker as a tool to then also convince Indoye to be led astray as well yeah, I mean, the last message that was sent to Endoye in the text form was yeah. directly from uh, Tarka and not Booker. So right. she didn't know, and he worded it so that it sounded like it was from Booker. Yeah. And he knew what he was doing, too. Do you think that when she says that she was uh, willing and ready to serve, that that was meant to be her apology? In the amount of time that she had as she was being walked away, yes. There'll be better opportunities later if they survive all this, but... Yes, I think that was the closest that she could get out in the moment for an apology. Plus, turning herself in and saying, "Hey, you don't have to lock everybody else up." Yeah, yeah, that's very good of her to make the person you're looking for. You know, this is me coping to what. Yeah, I did. And standing by her actions, you know. Yes, I'm. I'm sure that I'm sure I'm 100 percent sure that she believed in what she was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. (laughs) <laughs> that uh, Tarina should have believed in what she was doing in placing her hand on the window in order to have a <laughs> telepathic connection with she didn't know what. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about the nature of the 10C because they appear to be several different forms. Like mm-hmm. we see, so we saw, remember we saw the dead floaty ones? Yeah. And then we sort of saw them alive in this episode. I think that that, it mm-hmm. seems to me that that's a life form. And then of course the big ones that we see at the end, that's a life form. Okay. And then I think that there's probably other various ones that have like different sizes, shapes, purposes, etc. Mm-hmm. But I think that they are all one being to yeah. some extent, even though they are individually born, live and die. Yeah but that there's still like a distributed consciousness. Yeah. There are beings in the ocean that when they come together as one connected thing, 
they are considered simultaneously an individual. They're they're like a uh, jellyfish kind of thing. Okay. Simultaneously, they're not like uh, man of war jellyfish or anything like this. But anyway, when you see them floating as one hyper being or one hyper, I don't remember what they call it, but I like hyper uh, being. It's too okay. hyper being. Hyper they, they are considered as one individual, but they are actually also a colony of mm-hmm. a lot smaller little, quote, jellyfish all to come together. So they're simultaneously both an individual and a uh, colony, a group of individuals. But I bet you when they come together as one, they think as one. And the other parallel I was thinking of is like our own neurons in our brain are connected, mm-hmm. but that yet they're not, they are individual cells. Huh. Uh, they all think together and they all work together as one brain us, but at the same time, they work independently of each other. You know, like each one is a, like maybe make holds a memory, but every time we access that memory, all of them connect together electronically to send that memory to the main recollection uh, on screen, if you will. Yes. <laughs> the bridge. That is super interesting. I feel like Tarina's mistake was trying to discern one mm-hmm. uh, out of the many. Yeah. Because it seemed like, like how can you connect to something so vast like yeah. that? You know what I mean? Well, and, and of course, Tarina doesn't know this at the at this point, we can see the individual, whatever they are, and we think that they are, are going to think like us, but there is no precedent for her to interpret that they could have some sort of a connected thought process. Yeah. I like how when she comes out of the uh, mind meld, or if that's what it is, mm-hmm. that they that her little nosebleed is a dark black color like a dark very dark well mixed green yeah i do believe that that's a dark green yeah it is I a dark like green. I, I feel yeah i feel like i discerned to some green on there which is good yeah. i appreciate the touch yeah i also enjoyed being reminded that pollard is the cmo i seem like it feels like we never see her we, we see her a bunch in this episode <laughs> it's, it's good to see yeah. her pop back up when she pops back up it's interesting yeah. also that we have chosen to have a CMO, a CMO who's not really a main character. Mm-hmm. Not that really anyone is a main character, but Burnham. It's less of an ensemble <laughs> cast, I guess. We, I think we've probably talked about this before. Yeah, I mean, we we get side stories all the time, and they always seem like side side stories. But we oftentimes are all these side stories are certainly orbiting the story of of Michael, and to some extent, uh, Booker as a result. Um, which brings me to my first idea of a backdoor pilot. I had lots of backdoor pilot ideas in this episode. Ooh. Okay. I mean, the one, there was an obvious one that came to mind to me, but. Oh, please tell me. I'm curious. Well, I mean, Tilly and the, we, we already kind of know that there'll be a Starfleet Academy. Oh, yes. Good job. You've created a series <laughs> that exists. <laughs> well, we all you I mean, need is love. I'm sorry. Have we? Do we even have trailers for it yet? We we've heard that no, it's coming, we don't. but it can be I mean, canceled last it, minute. It could be, but it, there's there's been a pretty good thrust for it. I I imagine they'll try yeah. to continue it. I mean, have you seen a Batgirl movie yet this year? No. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, I was thinking <laughs> of like maybe a six part mini series, like a short treks of Book and Burnham's whole career experience, oh. like the whole year that they were. Yeah. I could see that going on, especially, you know, they could do that alongside like the year that Tilly has been gone and, oh. you know, when she's been training this small group of cadets sure. off screen somewhere. Oh, I like it. I do like it very much. I mean, it, it didn't take place in the taint in, in the exact same year, but, you know, we have this missing year from Michael and, and Cleveland and we have a missing year from Tilly's perspective, too. We do indeed. And then we have uh, Lieutenant Commander Reginald Bryce, or oh yeah, the, who's off doing yeah. the communications thing. Yeah, I mean, I was sorry to see that that didn't come to fruition by the end of the season, but hopefully yeah. he'll be back next season. We shall see. We yeah. shall see. They have a conversation on the books ship, the USS books ship, and. <laughs> There, it's a conversation about like going to a different universe. How do you think uh -huh. that you would take it? Like, say you go to another universe and someone that you love who has passed is there. How do you think you would take it? It's interesting. You, you... I was going to ask you the same question. Oh, that's so, interesting. First of all, mm -hmm. I'll clarify. I want some clarification. Is uh, uh, what's the name of the guy that Tarka's after? Uh, Oros. Uh, Oros. Orco is this. <laughs> is the Oros that he's after the same Oros that he knew in this universe that he's just crossed over? Supposedly. That's if you believe his story. Yeah. Or is he after just the parallel Oros and he's hoping that he'll make a sa the same kind of connection with him? You no, know, he's after he his Oros. One? Okay. He only owes something to this Oros. Yeah. I mean, yeah, technically there is a parallel of Booker's family and his planet there, and hypothetically it hasn't gotten destroyed. But one thing that Tarker's not taking into consideration is there's also another Booker, and he might be a Booker that hasn't taken on the name Cleveland Booker from his mentor because he never had to be a mentor of a courier because he never had to work for the Emerald Chain. So this duplicate of Cleveland Booker might not have any of the same experiences as this Cleveland Booker. So why would his family have the same type of connection that Cleveland had with his family on, in this timeline? Why are we concerned about an alternate Booker? What are you going to do with that Booker to get back to your family in the, in the alternate timeline? I mean, he can't go and take over as the head of the family. He is a complete stranger to these people. Oh, 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 oh. You're saying if Booker went to another, to the, to another universe. Yeah, Tarka's sitting here inviting him to the other universe. Yeah, I mean, Tarka, Tarka was trying to sell him on that, but Booker, Booker yeah. was never going for it. So, I, I mean, it's sort of like it, it wouldn't even come to pass. Like, Tarka apparently yeah. would be okay with it. I think that I might be okay with it <laughs> just because I think it's neat to go to another universe. Well, I'm sure there'd be some sort of penance to pay though. Yeah. Something else would go, would go disastrously wrong to balance out the scales. What you're saying kind of reminds me of, I think it was the movie time cop where they said same matter can't occupy same space at the same time. So if they connect, they automatically obliterate each other. Yeah. So like if you go into another universe and you're already there, then you both just blow up. Well, no, you'd have to try and occupy the same space. So you'd have to like hug each uh -oh. other or something. And then you'd both, then you would both blow up or just disintegrate. Boom. 
Yeah. Okay. So Adira is saying that the uh, the spore drive could possibly <laughs> discharge enough power into the orb to break them free, but they'll be okay. stuck there. Which brought me to my my second backdoor pilot. <laughs> oh, oh. So this was this is of course uh, Star Trek Discovery Voyager, right? Where they're stuck, and they uh-huh. they solve whatever this problem is, right? And then but then they're yeah. stuck at the edge of the galaxy, and mm-hmm. they have to find their way home. So they have to go all the way through whatever quad. Like what we don't even know which direction they went to get out of the of the galaxy. We like maybe they have to go through the beta quadrant. We don't know which quadrant they have to go through to get home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, oh. Could they maybe have to go through portions of the galaxy that we've never seen before? Well, yeah, that would be the hope. That's what you'd want in your Star Trek is some new stuff. Yeah, I mean, how much of the Gamma Quadrant besides, you know, the near edge of the wormhole that have we seen? Oh, we've seen very little. Yeah. I, I, it would be nice to head toward the, like, sort of give Discovery a redo and, like, I mean, give Voyager a redo and sort of head toward the... <laughs> you know, be stuck out at the edge of the gamma quadrant and then just like head toward the wormhole. Uh oh. That'd okay. be cool. Well, I guess well they, they have some people from the current timeline, so they would already know about the the Bajoran wormhole. Yeah. As it's called on our on the Alpha Quadrant side. Yeah, Zora's interfaced with Starfleet computers. Yeah. You know? Oh, she's, yeah, she's got Star Maps. Yeah. Okay. I had expected Book to say like a phrase or something and have the ship do something to secure itself. Oh, like he pulls out the little cat thing, the little cat collar, yeah. right? But I would have expected yeah. like him to be able to just like say something Locked and down then his the own ship, ship. Yeah, yeah, and the, exactly, you know. Well, I mean, I wonder if Tarka's own security things have actually somehow negated or locked out. I mean, sure, it would have been nice to see him try though. Oh yeah, I think it would have been cool. I mean, it's like why why doesn't he have his own car alarm and his own key fob? Yeah. <laughs> so they spin up the whole spore drive, and it does this whole destruction of the spore drive chamber scene that makes me think of like the destruction of a TARDIS. And then I'm oh. wondering, like, was that always the joke that like Discovery is a TARDIS because like they can travel anywhere in space and time, and then and then like the behind the turbo lifts, just like it's just like reconfigurable Time Lord space. Oh, maybe interesting. I like that perspective. I was glad nobody was in there though too. I mean, I was surprised that actually Stamets wasn't in there. I was like, why isn't? Oh yeah, are, they don't have to go in there. Were... And I don't think. Well, he wasn't trying to go anywhere, so there was no need for a navigator. Okay. They were just running the power through. Okay. Hmm. Apparently, the spore drive gives more power than the warp drive. I, I just thought it was a different kind of power. I didn't realize that it was more powerful than <laughs> the warp core. Uh huh. Hmm. So there's that. Also, yeah. they could have put them, chained them together. Can you daisy chain a warp core with the spore drive? Would that be like spork drive? Can you daisy chain a airplane fuel and car fuel together? It depends on what kind of engine you have. Maybe it's a flying car. Oh, okay. See, there you go. <laughs> and problem solved. Oh, great. Solved the problem. You know, it seems like they're two completely different forms of technology of transportation. So maybe, 
I mean, obviously, it, I mean, if you just want to release raw power, you yeah. Know? I I would imagine that maybe that just didn't occur to the writers, but in universe, can you? Maybe we'll we'll have to stay tuned to find out. Yeah, so let's see if we do it one day. Yeah. Make a warp core spore drive wormhole. <laughs> there you go. I love how Reno passes the message from book to to Burnham. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, that I mean that kind of got me right in the feels when when you know she tells him that you know uh booker is okay with you know you doing everything you have to do you i i'm willing to die for you to do what you have to do yeah they should have made some regulations to book's ship remember they had it like aboard the discovery like it was basically like docked with the discovery for like a whole season they should have done some regulations on it like made it have transponder codes or you know just basically make it safe to be aboard a federation ship like make sure that they couldn't Mm. be used against them kind of thing because Mm. like if they had had that they could have used that to get books shipped to back off or like i I was thinking maybe they could have used a tractor beam or they could have sent some dots down yeah somebody uh i guess nobody mentioned dots but uh when andoye comes to the bridge later on she'll she'll even ask well did you consider a tractor beam I don't know why they, I don't remember why they said a tractor beam wouldn't work, but I think it had something to do with interference coming from the uh, the the little modules that uh, they're in from oh. the species 10C. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, because later Zora sends this this hologram. She sends this hologram like uh, what appears to be several thousand kilometers away. Uh-huh. of herself that she can like transpond it's a, like a transponder type hologram because she can see hear and interact so yeah i'm like well couldn't she she should have sent a like holographic shield down <laughs> to prevent mm-hmm. the whole thing that book ship was doing you know just other solutions might have been possible yeah maybe there were things that the writers thought of and threw out just because they thought well that was would be too quick of a solution <laughs> yeah possibly had- then we wouldn't get an hour-long episode. There were, yeah, it was definitely an hour-long episode. There were lots of sprawling scenes that I was just like, yeah, <gasps> like, oh, okay. okay. But, so, and what I did like with was okay. So when they had the long sprawling scenes, they just spent them doing references huh. and name drops and stuff. Like we uh-huh. go back to watch the. Uh, Federation starbase folk do the evacuation, which is basically the same scene again and again and again. Like, mm. oh, get these people out of there. Oh, this module's full. Okay, send the module away. Get these people out of there. Okay, and like, he, they're they're doing the name dropping. They yeah, they go through the uh, the USS Mitchell, which I presume is the USS Gary Mitchell, perhaps, which is a flying slab of some sort. And yeah. Uh, they mentioned the USS Nog again. Actually, each of those ships almost has writes its own uh, backdoor pilot as well. Uh, perhaps I don't, I'm not sure about the Flying Slab TV series. <laughs> <laughs> the it, USS Mitchell it, is the USS Nog like mostly pilot. You know, have mostly Ferengi as crew. The, I don't think that we can do that. That oh, okay. doesn't feel right. <laughs> You're right. It doesn't. You're right. The I'm Nog, sorry. that class of the Nog, sort of looks like the front of a mm. Romulan warbird to me. Sometimes, you know, I I have trouble pinpointing which ship is the Nog. I I I don't know if I just don't have. It sort of looks like the front of a Romulan warbird. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I take your I I believe you. I I take your word for it. But uh, well, like even when that one ship 
showed up and it turned out to be the Mitchell mm-hmm. just yep. as the the words are coming into view it cut away and I'm like oh crap yeah. I should have paused and but even if I go back and try and pause it right at the right time it'll cut away just as I'm pausing I think yeah. also my remote has a little bit of delay well they show it again later in full view but you probably just okay. didn't even recognize it's what it was because it's really just like a flying slab with the yellow strip on one side okay huh hey why why did they why did they why did they call abandoned ship on the start why did the admiral call abandoned ship yeah oh because they knew that that section of this of the star base was going to be destroyed he needed to make sure that it was going to stay there in place to catch as much debris as possible aren't they like automate can't you like remote control things don't they have remote controls probably for the same reason that they couldn't remote control the shuttle into Booker's ship later on when they fly the shuttle into Booker's ship. Mm. Okay. There's probably too much gravimetric interference. Mm. Each of those asteroids, no matter how small they are, do have their own gravity field. Fair enough. And then there's also the gravity that the DMA is creating itself. Oh, one thing that I missed was why not, why didn't we see a whole bunch of ships coming back? Like they should have had a whole bunch of ships coming and going and coming and going and coming and going to ferry oh, right. survivors, yeah, well, the, but we just saw them all leave. They didn't really like come back. That was that's a good question. I mean, I was also wondering where is the rendezvous point? Why do they all have to rendezvous there? Why can't they just all go to the rendezvous point, beam everybody down, right, to wherever that point is, and mm-hmm. then go back and pick and up, come more. back and get more, right? Like maybe you can and, get eighty thousand if you just make two trips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. the hard thing is, is I, I don't know if the rendezvous point was a planet or if they were just all going to meet somewhere at a safe distance away from the DMA. Yeah, yeah. You better start putting people in pattern buffers. <laughs> just, just everybody in pattern buffers. Well, that's something they certainly didn't cover either. Yeah, exactly. This story takes up a, a lot of a lot of space to just be doing the same thing, but not mm-hmm. doing it in the most effective in a in a slightly more effective way. I think. <laughs> um, just like Tarka's story takes up a lot of space, but I never really connected to it, so it seems like sort of useless for it to be in there. Like this whole story about. Oros and how they were they fell they the story implies that he fell in love with them but then betrayed mm-hmm. him and then like feels guilty about it like he's driven by while while book is driven by by grief tark is actually driven by guilt i think and it's like am i somehow supposed to feel sympathetic to his story like why are we going through his story too so much and dealing with his emotions and watching him cry because i'm just not sympathetic to his story like it doesn't even have to be it doesn't even have to be true you know what i'm saying like he could have made this whole thing up and like himself just believe it like whether whether it's just he believes it or whether he doesn't believe in his story he's telling like this could just be like the the ravings of of a madman which which mm-hmm. would be clearer, by the way, than <laughs> the story he's telling. Like, well, this this guy Oros wasn't Oros trying to get to Oros's family. It wasn't wasn't that yeah, the whole he thing was that trying he, to get back so to his. Why was Tarka so hell bent on Oros? Was Tarka planning to go to the universe where Oros was and steal Oros away from his family? What has happened? Like, this is the thing. I just I had trouble connecting to Tarka's story. Like, it just yeah. it wasn't cohesive enough for me to like feel yeah. anything for him. 
Well, and they only gave us one episode to get some backstory on, learn who Oros was, get some backstory on Tarka's story. You know, and we only had to go by what Oros actually told us on screen. We never saw anything else. On the other hand, if we had sidetracked and did an Oro, just an Oros story before Tarka, we'd be bored because we had no idea what this story is. Well, it might have given a little bit more depth to the story because we didn't really see, we didn't see Oros until at least halfway yeah. through the season. Yeah, and it was just like it's it's almost like a tack on. Like I wasn't really sure what we were supposed to get from that story. Why we were spending so much time? We spent a lot of time on a lot of things in this episode, yeah. in my opinion, that came out of the like. Why am I? Spending, yeah, I've been having I... trouble with why they go back to Tarka and Book all the all these times in the first place. Mm-hmm. Why are they mm-hmm. there? Why are they? Are they just there to cause drama and a? problem for the discovery to solve rather than just going to the deep to the uh species 10c saying turn off your thing and then go home yeah yeah, you know? yeah. it's like everything it's like without tarka it wasn't compounded enough to be a whole season oh, like i don't okay. really know that we really needed tarka tarka was like a cue for this story you know what i mean okay like yeah. the story could have been done with we, we didn't really need tarka uh-huh. Like it, it was a compelling enough story and a neat enough story for them to figure out how to get out there and how to talk to the people. Like the extra was like yeah. a little extra, and there wasn't enough for me to like feel like it had any value or like who got anything out of it. You know what I mean? It was necessary for Book to come to where he came to, or was yeah. it? I don't even know. I don't even know if it was necessary because Book could have just been riding along with them and still had his moment at the end without the whole um, like beam out beam in thing you know well i think that booker didn't have anything to do other than mope around the ship until the end of this episode if there was no tarka story yeah i mean he could have just been on the ship and having like disagreements with he could have done like a sabotage move during the season, you know, trying to make them force them to do some this or that or the other. Like, so I just don't. Target was just like an extra guy that I didn't. I don't know. I don't really feel like I needed. I guess the other thing is is it gave them the ability to have a bad guy without having to turn Booker into the bad guy and give keep Booker on a clean slate so that yeah, they still but they didn't play, though, you know valid if they had done that but they didn't they sent Booker to prison at the end of the season well he still has to atone for the things that he did but and yeah. I didn't really get that he was going and they to could have done that prison. if he had done like a mild act of sabotage aboard the discovery on the way out yeah. there you know yeah. or after they had gotten out there maybe he took it you know like it could have started there they could have we could have uh, not had target at all had books still do mm-hmm. the arguing in the uh, whole big meeting towards the beginning of the season he could have used done the plasma burn in conjunction with Ndoye to get mm-hmm. his ship into the you know into the orb the first time, yeah. and then they got him out. You know, like the only thing, and then the only, and then Tarka adding Tarka in gives us the opportunity to add this emotion of oh, someone else did something horrible that made Book die, so now Burnham has to like while as she's shattering she has to like pull herself together and Mm -hmm. make it to the neck put the next foot forward and you know reach the next stage of this mission and keep going even though 
her world has been like ripped out from under her. Yeah. But had it not been for Tarka, we wouldn't have needed. We wouldn't have had that thing happen with her, probably. Well, yeah, that's true too. And yeah, I think they just inserted Tarka to ramp up all of the tension everywhere. Yeah. Well, you were asking about Oros and why he was gonna. I mean, he was going to be with his family, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's also another duplicate Oros there. So is Oros going to go and take over his family? How's he going to join back with that family? He's going to jump into the other universe and then like murder yeah. himself and <laughs> stick himself in a closet Ooh. and then uh, assume his alternate identity. And then Tark is going to do the same thing. But in this universe, oh, they don't the, even know each other. <laughs> the, the Rick and Morty move, huh? Yes. <laughs> well... So just because Tarka is there doesn't mean Tarka is taking away Oros from his family. Just like you don't take your partner away from your partner's family. You're just joining in in the activities of your partner as your partner's partner. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be the same way for Tarka and Oros. Tarka and Oros would be together as partners, but... Oros would also have his family. Maybe Tarka didn't really have either any family that he cared about or any family left that uh, alive that he could go in and save and hopefully meet up with in the heaven universe anyway. Yeah, I don't, Kylie, I don't think that I remember the story all that well, but I do feel like there was something about his daughter, like his, his wife and his daughter, that had oh, been maybe, maybe killed by the Emerald Chain or something, and he was going to go to this other universe to find them, and then he and oh, Tarkin okay. became close. It's a very, it's kind of a convoluted story, IMHO. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I can definitely see your perspective on that. The Admiral and Tilly end up just like hanging out in this yeah. module. Like originally, what they said they were going to do is they were going to be, you know, man the consoles and help deflect. Mm-hmm you know the debris that was hidden heading towards the earth and eventually they just like started hanging out and drinking and (laughs) discussing regrets and i thought like is the admiral trying to suggest that they create one more regret before the end of the world Ooh, i didn't think of that Uh oh (laughs) maybe a maybe a pair of twin regrets yeah yeah it's like well i mean if 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 we're all gonna go anyway might as well you know one last time, yeah. <laughs> that would have been that would have been funny at the end. Well, but then if somebody survived, if one of those two survived, and what would they tell his wife and daughter? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> when, exactly. Yeah, that that's and that's the that's the dun, 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 that's the funny ending <laughs> of the Star Trek the animated series. Yeah. Dun, 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 bonk. You know, back to Tarka a little bit. Yeah, I realized that his death made uh, the Ten C see the difference between him and the rest of everybody else. Okay, that there were individual actions that were not tied together. Like that's the only mm. positive thing that he did was he made them see that yeah. there were two individuals at, at work here. Do you, Do you think that they're going to try and find a way to bring back Tarka? So the reason they bring back the reason they brought back Book is because Book basically used the Ten C as a pattern buffer. Yeah. But Tarka was not in a transporter beam at the time. He just blew up. Yeah. Yeah. And he routed power so that Book could beam away. I I found a nice parallel, and I thought it was funny when uh, 
Booker just one hits Tarka. Either Tarka has a glass draw or Book has a hell of a right cross or both. I like the whole uh, sloughing off of the hologram as it went with like the minor slow motion. Is that that was a pretty cool yeah, effect? Yeah, I, yeah, I liked how they slow moed that, and so that yeah, I, it gave me the opportunity to figure out what was going on. Oh, he's holding the cat collar, so and he's breaking breaking through the hologram. That means that yeah, whenever there's a force field up, Grudge still has free reign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Grudge has a little cat sized cat door, but it it reminded me of when uh, Batman was able to one hit Guy Gardner with when he was without his Green Lantern ring in Justice League number five from the nineteen eighty seven run. Did you read that issue? What? Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> there was an issue. I mean, Justice- not to say that that was left field, but that was just <laughs> a little left, left field. Oh yeah. no! I mean, it was totally connected. Oh, I get you. Yeah, just like he connected with that jaw. <laughs> oh yeah, but I'm dumb. Did anybody else remember that? When they saw that scene, I'm just putting it out there into the you guys. Answer. <laughs> I don't hear you. Speak up. Comment below. Yes. Send us an email. Okay. <laughs> so we we have to pause for a family moment, Ooh. which made me, uh, which gave me another backdoor pilot. Oh. First, okay. this first my my first, the the original working title was the Colbush Damitzes, but then after a little workshopping, you know, I and my <laughs> writing team of one. <laughs> It came down to the idea that the show is called Adira with like an exclamation point on the end. Aww, and it's, okay. it's a sitcom and they have um, Culber and Stamets as parents. Mm-hmm. And then Reno is one of their neighbors. And occasionally <laughs> they have a visit from this really rich couple called Saru and Tarina. They just like pop in from time to time and all kinds of uh-huh. mad, madcap adventures ensue. There's a lot of okay. things where people are misunderstanding what other people said. It's it's sort of three's company, but sort of not. It's sort of for the for the kids, but it's uh-huh. like a it's like Full House sort of. It almost reminds me of uh, Darkwing Duck when their neighbors just kind of randomly show up, show up, and they're in the middle of trying to go leave on an adventure, but Darkwing has to hide his you know his secret identity from the neighbors. Yes, it's just like that. It's amazing how quickly Saru is able to now convey complex concepts to the Ten C because just a little while ago, wasn't it like, well, that's going to take a long time. <laughs> it's going to take me a long time to explain that. And now he's just like tap, tap, tapping away. And the president <laughs> is definitely using these multisyllabic words that seem like mm-hmm. there would be some nuance to be able to communicate them. Yeah. I mean, he's had what, a few hours? Minutes. Oh, minutes? sure. Yes, perhaps that. He's had about I mean, two hours, right? Because <laughs> it was four minutes till the thing hits, and now it's about to be two hours till the thing hits. Oh, okay. Uh, but the conversation does lead to explaining their situation by first referencing something that the Tensi were familiar with. You know, the, it was a good thing mm-hmm. that they had explored that planet and seen what happened to the Tensi uh, yeah. so that they could, you know, first reference the 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 event that happened to the Ten C in order to create like a common context, mm-hmm. yeah, to to be able to stop the DMA. Okay. Now, when the debris field starts reversing, is this science or is it magic? 
I'm not sure what's happening here. Are we pushing the debris field away? Is the Tensi pulling the debris field away? And if so, how? And if not, are they just using magic? Is there a wand involved? What's going on? I think that as massive as the DMA is, this is just my guess off the top of my head right now, mm-hmm. as it's pulling away, since it's since the debris field is following the DMA mm-hmm. and orbiting the DMA, okay. it's, it's like if Jupiter were suddenly start to plummet towards the Earth. The moons of Jupiter would be orbiting and they'd slam into Earth first before Jupiter did. But if Jupiter started to back away, those moons would be pulled with the more massive gravity of Jupiter. Yes. um, Rather than being held onto the smaller gravity of Earth. This is true. So I would guess that the gravity of the DMA is somewhere in the realm of at least double two 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 G's. Okay. Rather than, you know, just the one G of Earth. Standards gotcha. Earth sea level. Although I would as easily and as far as they're being pulled away, possibly even uh three or four G's. Yes. You know. Perhaps even more. Well, yeah, with as massive as it is, it's probably more like got, you know, a hundred G's or something like yeah. that. I don't know. Like a star, like a, like a star. Yeah. So Burnham explains Book to the Tin Sea and gets him back. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads Book to connect to the Tin Sea. Yes. You know, like he tells them the story of Quajon and connects in that mm-hmm. way and connects in, you know, the similarity of having a civilization and a people that, you know, love their young, etc., yeah, and then it sounded like he was mid sentence, because he he says that they were beloved, beautiful, and it sounded like there was going to be a comma and in the, the final yeah. one, but instead yeah. he did the the whole light bright thing. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty inspired way to bring that back because we haven't seen that we haven't seen him do that yeah. for a while. So yeah. to then bring it back and then connect it so intimately to the Tensei, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Like, And it seemed like he was communicating something to them that was deeper than we were able to express with hydrocarbons and lights and mm-hmm. that they responded to that in kind. Well, do you, well, they did respond to it in kind. I think they all broadcast mm-hmm. that same shape yeah. in his forehead. They did. I, Matt, I didn't realize that maybe they were able to understand what was being yeah. doing rather than that just parodying back parroting yeah. back what yeah, I think was, there was yeah i do think that there was some sort of communication that was that happened right there between them huh if nothing else at least some sort of emotional communication yeah. i think that's what that whole light thing was about yeah, Booker does talk about how that is his empathic response reaction. Yeah. So there is a, an emotional component to that yeah. light light show that he does. Yeah, it's wild that he used that to bring the Tin Sea back to the galaxy. Almost like that was his purpose. He, that was the purpose of Quajanda was to bring them back. <laughs> and he was the last son of Quajanda. Hey, since he's the last son of Quajanda, <laughs> is Book by default the holder of the world root of Quajanda? He keeps it in well, his I mean, third he, pocket. Well, he that that's what's a part of his necklace at the end. I was making a penis joke. Oh. The world root. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just tell it again and I'll just laugh at it. 
It's okay. Take two. It's okay. Oh. Um, the whole thing is we get to this wonderful resolution, right? And I'm looking down at the time and I'm like, why is there so much time left in the episode? And <laughs> and then they so they take this wormhole home, right? Yeah. But I think maybe they ran out of money at the end of the season because I saw <laughs> hide nor hair of a wormhole. I didn't see a Verderon node. I didn't see a tachyon burst. <laughs> I didn't even see like a, a streaming tunnel of energy. I do understand they had to pay the actors a lot to like clasp their hands in front of themselves and <laughs> hop. You know, or link arms uh, and hop around joyfully. So I get that they didn't really have the money to do a wormhole, but it was it was for me it was a glaring. Um, well, I mean, a, a glaring uh, omission. I I liked that it, instead of getting the wormhole, right after Tilly at the beginning of the episode, right after Tilly talked about the station being able to split apart, they did um, show yeah, did. and oh, tell or tell point. and show. We did sort of have a wormhole effect already this this episode. <laughs> That's fair. And and we've already seen what wormholes, at least the DS9 wormhole looks like. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no wormhole needed. <laughs> I'm still so Tarina and Saru are driving me nuts because they keep talking around a relationship. They don't. Nobody goes to it. Like, okay, okay, uh -huh. are you my girlfriend now? Okay, are we boyfriend girlfriend or something now? Like, they never quite get to it. Uh -huh. They they keep suggesting around it. I mean, he does. She does let him call her Tarina or ask that he calls her <laughs> Tarina. So yeah, he, that's that, a major step for a Vulcan. It. Yeah, some Vulcan intimacy. Just like the intimacy that Rillick gets to share with Book at the end. They have a they have themselves a little laugh, a little chuckle, a little shared chuckle <laughs> about their experience. Uh-huh. I noticed that the uh that that the general and the president of Earth had very similar body structure. Okay. They both had very round faces. Okay. They were were are you asking, are they related or something? Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. You, were they trying to imply that they were supposed to be related? I don't think they're trying to imply that they're related. I think it was just happenstance. Okay. It just happened. Okay. Just, just fell out that way. But this okay. is Stacey Abrams. You know Stacey Abrams? Mm -hmm. So th it was a big thing to have Stacey Abrams in this episode. Um, okay. This was, I think, somewhere near about just before the 2020 actual election took place. Uh -huh. And she had been instrumental in, like, drumming up votes, especially in the state of Georgia, where Biden won Georgia handily. Uh -huh. uh, she was a member of the House of Representatives in Georgia. She's also a writer, uh, and, you know, an author of both fiction and nonfiction. Oh, okay. And uh, is a civil rights activist. And she was okay. nearly a, a, a contender for the, you know, presidency. Yeah. Oh, okay. At least for you know, govern uh, federal governmental office, yeah. mm -hmm. kind of still in the running for that. I think people would vote for for that. So it was a, a huge get to have her uh, here on Star Trek Discovery. Oh, and I'm sure it burned up a lot of people who were on the other side of the <laughs> the, the the aisles here in the United States. What side of the aisle did you say she was on? She's on the blue side. All right. Yep. They're cleaning up subspace rifts at the end. Is what yeah. Uh -huh. Is this like the zippering from subspace? Sub, uh, is this like the zippering from subspace Rhapsody? Oh, I mean, maybe. It's the only other cleaning up subspace rips I've ever thought of. 
<laughs> yeah, who, who knows? Maybe it is. When we're panning away and we're seeing Earth, you know, when we're panning away from the starbase and we see Earth, because yeah. usually when they show Earth, it's always Earth with North at the top of the screen or yeah. our, our North at the top of the screen. And yes. here they show it on the side. Yes, 90 degrees. 90 Tilted degrees. to the left. And they all, and often when it's, you know, from a Hollywood perspective, they show the North American continent. Yes. Well, here we see Africa. Yes. And it's just something other than the North and South American continents. Yeah, it was and cool. I appreciated both of those little twists on seeing Earth. Yeah, made you think for a second and look a little harder and be like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> if you were stuck inside of a subspace rift <laughs> and... Tilly was sent to get you out and she had grudge <laughs> with her of course and Aww. they said that they were going to zip the rift shut with you in it unless you rated this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 what would you tell them you know this episode was an emotional roller coaster for me Okay, but I really did enjoy this episode I was right at the mm -hmm. edge of my seat right from the first scene and probably, probably all pretty much all the way through it the first time I watched it yeah What's our rating system again? Out of one to ten, however you oh, want to slice it. I was just going to say thirteen out of thirteen, but okay. So I, that would I, be a ten out of ten, I think. Yeah, I would okay. give this episode a ten out of ten. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I think as much as I sort of poo-pooed the pacing of this episode mm -hmm. and have realized that the added on story of Tarka was largely necessary except to ramp up the tension in some places I think that they did a good job in inserting him in the story but it is a clear insertion like they could mm -hmm. have merged it a little better somehow I'm not really sure how except to make me feel a little bit more for his story somehow because yeah. his story was yeah it didn't have to be true i think that's what bothered me the most about it is like he could have just made this all up for book you know <laughs> yeah. and book is just oh, believing okay. it. like it seems like he's a very deceptive individual i just yeah. wanted to test out my new tra transporter idea and i wanted you your, i needed your help to oh, do it exactly like that kind of thing or like i feel so guilty about this thing i'm gonna find the spectacular way to blow myself up <laughs> you know yeah because like, what do you get out of it you just so now i'm in another universe what's changed yep. that's a yep. yet another temporary solution a permanent solution to a temporary problem i mean he yeah. was like you were talking about last episode where um he was clutching to all the maybes and what ifs he's he's continuing to do that oh maybe i'll still yeah. even though my ship is going to blow up before i even get in to the hyperfield maybe i'll still end up in that same universe if i just use my transporter at the right time yeah who knows? It's a it's a wing and a prayer. You know? Although with the emotions that he held at the end of this episode, mm -hmm. I would say that there would be no way that he would be able to reproduce those or fake those raw emotions that he's feeling. Agreed. But is there actual impetus what he's saying, or is it something else? Oh, is he saying that he's feeling? this way but no is he, he saying that it, he's feeling this way because of xyz but it's actually because of something yeah. other secret you know you, you're right he's hiding the real reason why he's feeling yeah. his feelings yeah yeah that's how i feel i just don't trust him and i think there's yeah. there's been more cause during this season to distrust him than to trust him uh -huh. I think. all in all i think i'm going to give this episode an 8.9 okay wow and here we are 
at the end of Star Trek Discovery Season 4, and thus mm-hmm. the ostensible end of Star Trek Discovery until it returns in April of 2024. Speaking of its return, there was a dedication at the end of the episode for an April. I think that's I, April Nasifura. Um I do mm-hmm. remember uh, a conversation about having lost her along the way. Yes, I, that's what I was going to mention, is that I it was a producer of Star Trek that they've mm-hmm. been around since i think generations mm-hmm. so um anyway that's our show then it is indeed this was a quick one i uh, was it? it it may have been <laughs> so during the episode booker is talking about his pain and his grief and stuff like that and not mm-hmm. even being able to get up out of bed sometimes and I just want to say to our listeners if you are feeling something like Booker has felt or going through something like Booker has felt many of us has been, have been there before you'll get through it but if you need help please reach out to somebody if nothing else you have our email address if you need help one of us can probably point you in the right direction to finding the help that you need we are here Uh, for you yes we want to be here for our audience it's Mm -hmm. not all hopeless there is there will be a you know a time when there's another sunrise tomorrow yes and you don't want to miss the next exciting episode of let's talk about tracks (laughs) after all we're making many more stay around for all of them yes and on that note, until next time, yeah. stay positive, okay. dream big, and you'll hear from us again soon. Well, why did Grudge have to go to the show at Patreon.com? <laughs> Let's Talk About Trex is a production of Anodyne Relay, supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttrex.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trextalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3 Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay. I'm still like kind of upset about that. Like what? Like when when Spock went to prison for the Talos Four thing, did they go grab Ichaya? You know, like come on, you gotta go with Spock. <laughs> I think it. No, Ichaya no. was dead by the end of the episode. Okay. But you're right, they didn't. Um, I. I don't think. Oh, why do uh, the dogs Birds in the training p- prison training program <laughs> have to go to the prison? They're they're going there to get trained and get better to be more adoptable, but they still have to go to. The that's local what prison the program. guys. That's what everybody's in prison for too. <laughs> they can be trained and more adoptable. <laughs>
Well, the it gives something goal of to any prison the, to be trained and more adaptable. And then, it gives a job to the prisoners and a, and something positive to look forward to, rather yeah. than just learning new skills on how to break the law when they get back out. Yep, adaptability. That's what <laughs> prisons are just adoption or, uh, or adoption agencies. Well, you can tell by all the women who write letters trying to adopt a prisoner once they get out. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Not oh, you don't? There are whole droves of women who write to prisoners in jail and like form relationships with them and then like plan to be with them when they get out and like some <laughs> some of them get married. Some of them have like multiple relationships with multiple guys across multiple jails and like send money oh, to my. their canteen or whatever. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Huh. It's wild. Yep. Fun time. All right. Well, All right, then. I'll see you next time. Okay. Cheers. I'm gonna, uh, yes. Our next episode is going to be Picard season 